Let's face it, for the vast majority of people, the most exciting part of Christmas is the gifts. Now, I didn't say the most meaningful part of Christmas. I said the most exciting part of Christmas. And if you think I'm wrong, then please answer this question for me. How many people count down the number of days until Thanksgiving? I've never met someone who does that. I have never heard someone say, hey, just 27 more days till Thanksgiving. Why do people do a countdown to Christmas, but not Thanksgiving? I mean, what's the difference between the two? Both are historically religious holidays. Both involve time off work and school. Both include turkeys and celebration. Both are family-focused. So why does Christmas get people watching the calendar and not Thanksgiving? I'm suggesting to you that what sets Christmas apart from all other holidays is the gifts. For the vast majority of people, the most exciting part of Christmas is the gifts. Now, I don't know about your home, but when I was a child, Christmas morning was a free-for-all. My parents would wait till all of us kids were awake. We'd all go down around the Christmas tree. Then my dad would just go under the tree, and if there was a gift you know, with the name of one of us on it, he'd hand us the gift and we would open it immediately. So all around that Christmas tree, all four of us kids are ripping open uh, gifts and saying, oh, thank you, thank you. And then looking at the next gift and it's all happening simultaneously at the same time. Everyone's celebrating, jumping around, screaming, excited about the gifts at Christmas. I mean, it was just an adrenaline rush in our home as a kid. Now, I grew up thinking that every home was like my home when it came to Christmas morning. And then I spent my first Christmas as a married man with my wife's family. I could not believe what I was seeing. They forced us to sit in a circle in chairs, and then a gift would be handed to you, and it would be placed on your lap. And you couldn't touch that gift until everyone else in this circle of 15, 20 people had a gift in their lap, and until everyone, you know, the person next to you, they would open their gift. And we'd all have to watch them open their gift. And then the person beside them, and you'd go around the circle, and you couldn't open your gift until it was your turn in the circle. And we had to watch everybody. And dear Grandma Jones, you know, would unwrap her gift. And she's one of these people who saves the wrapping paper for next year. So she'd unwrap it very carefully and not want to tear it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, open the stupid gift. Just open it, Grandma. But we had to smile. And, and, and I even heard somebody tell me the other day that in their family, they had to wait. If someone got clothes, you'd have to wait for them to go try the clothes on and model them in front of everyone before you could go to the next person. What? That's madness. Now, whether you are more like my family, more like my wife's family, or maybe somewhere in between, chances are the giving and receiving of gifts is going to play a significant role in your life in the next 24 hours. That's why we're spending the next few moments focused upon gifts. Our goal today is simple. What we did with the visual of the nativity scene two weeks ago, what we did with the visual of the credit card last week, we're seeking to do today with the visual of the wrapped gift. Over the next few moments, we're going to help you cut through the chaos and the clutter of Christmas by giving you a simple phrase to silently ponder as gifts are exchanged. A simple truth that will be triggered by the sight of a simple gift. A simple truth that will help to refocus your heart and refocus your mind on what really matters during the Christmas season. Now, Instead of giving you today's Christmas trigger right off the top, we're going to work our way towards it. Hopefully, the truth is going to be more meaningful to you that way. 
So let me begin by asking you a simple question. How do you typically determine who receives a gift from you? Of all the people in the world to whom you could give a gift, how do you decide who actually gets a gift? I mean, there are all kinds of people in your life. How many of them are receiving a gift from you this year? Years ago, I received, I consider it probably the funniest Christmas card I've ever been given. On the front of the card, it read, forget about the past. You can't change it. Forget about the future. You can't predict it. And then when I opened the card, it said, forget about the present. I didn't buy you one. You have lots of people in your life, family, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, buddies, casual acquaintances. From within that long list of relationships, you picked and you chose. You did give gifts to some of those people and you did not give gifts to others. Why? How do you decide who does and who does not receive a gift from you? Now, I found myself awkwardly pondering this question several years ago as I stood holding a Christmas card in my hand. To show you just how many years ago this was, it was a Christmas card from the person who delivered my newspaper to me every morning. Do you remember when everybody had a newspaper delivered to their front door every morning? That was a long time ago. Now, when I say delivered, I'm using that term very loosely. You're likely picturing some rosy-cheeked child diligently trudging through the snow and the rain to safely and carefully place a newspaper at my front step. Think again. That was not my experience of newspaper delivery back then. Picture a car speeding by our home with a gloved hand tossing out a newspaper in the general direction of the end of my driveway. Now, on a good day, the paper landed on my property. On most days, I had to go hunting for it. To this day, I have no idea who was driving that car, who was tossing out that newspaper. However, one day, my newspaper arrived and it included a card with it. And that card included information on how I could give this mysterious hidden delivery driver a gift. And that card on that day forced me to ponder the first question on our outlines today. How do you determine who receives a gift from you? Of all the people in the world to whom you could give a gift, how do you decide who actually does receive a gift? Now, I pondered this for a while, and for what it's worth, here's what I decided. And stick with me, because this is all going somewhere. As far as I can tell, when you get right down to it, the exchange of gifts is triggered by, first of all, the level of relationship. An elderly woman was preparing her will, and she informed her lawyer of her final request. She told him that she wanted to be cremated, and then she wanted her ashes to be scattered all over the floor of Walmart. She told her lawyer that she figured that was the only way her daughters would actually visit her. Well, we have all different levels of relationships with people, don't we? While all people are valuable to us, some people are closer to us than others. And a gift is one way that we communicate to an individual that we place them on a higher level in our life. When you give someone a gift, you're telling them something. A gift signifies one has moved beyond the level of acquaintance to the level of friendship. A gift implies more than the existence of a casual relationship. When we give a gift to someone, we're communicating to them that they have moved past the level of a mere acquaintance 
When we give someone a gift, we're expressing something very personal to that person. We're telling them that they are on our friendship list. We're telling them in the midst of all the people in the orbit of our life, in our heart, in our mind, they hold a special place. They hold a place on our friendship list. Now, I suggest that you think about that the next time someone hands you a gift. As you hold that gift in your hands, think to yourself, wow, someone thought of me. Someone went through the stages of pondering and purchasing and preparing this for me. I'm on somebody's friendship list. Wow. Which leads to the next question on our outline, because this whole gift-giving thing goes even deeper. Once you've decided who is on your friendship list, once you've decided who will receive your gifts, you are then faced with another issue. What kind of gift will you give? Now, let me warn you, this gift-giving business is not a one-size-fits-all exercise. Giving your child's kindergarten teacher a silk negligee at the Christmas concert would likely be considered inappropriate. And giving your spouse a $10 Tim Hortons gift card would be equally inappropriate. We intuitively know this, but why do we know this? What subconscious checklist do we go through in our minds when we give people gifts? How do we determine what to give as a gift? Again, because I'm a pastor and I have nothing better to do all week, I thought about this, and here is what I came up with. While there are all sorts of occasions and reasons why we give gifts, I think there are two foundational filters that we tend to follow. First of all, we consider what the person needs. I mean, the ideal gift meets some level of need in the life of the one who receives it. Giving your 98-year-old great-grandmother a set of rollerblades is likely not the wisest choice. One of the foundational things we think about when selecting a gift is what does the person need. Secondly, we consider what we can afford to give. Whether we're strolling through a mall or scrolling through a website, there are all kinds of options out there when it comes to gifts. The challenge is not what is on the shelf. The challenge is how much is in my wallet. So we look for a gift that lands where those two filters intersect. What does the person need? What can I afford to give? Having said that, let me say this. While I most certainly have appreciated gifts that represented a sizable cost, truth be told, the most treasured gifts that I've received over the years are the gifts that my children and grandchildren have made for me. The handwritten cards with sticks of macaroni glued to the front of them are my most prized possessions. Okay, let's do a quick review. What have we learned so far? We've learned that when we receive a gift, we should consider what it represents. When you're handed a gift, recognize the heartwarming reality that you are on someone's friendship list. Someone considered you to be close enough and valuable enough that they wanted to express their appreciation to you. They considered your needs, and they did their best to give you something that reflected their ability. Now, who would have thought that all of this effort went into a gift? But it does. And this brings us to the higher truth that we're heading towards today. A Christmas trigger that combines the trigger behind the nativity scene with the trigger behind the credit card. Remember, in the first week of this series, we learned that every time we see a nativity scene, we should remind ourselves, 
That really happened in human history. We learn to let the nativity scene trigger the truth about the historicity of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was and is God who took on the form of humanity. Why? Why would God do such a thing? Well, we learned the answer to that question in the second week of our series, when we focused upon the credit card. We learned that week that every time we see a credit card, it should trigger the truth that Jesus Christ paid my moral debt. That's why Jesus stepped into human history. Jesus came to earth to pay our moral debt. So think about this then. Put it all together. Jesus sees your need, and out of his riches, he offers you a gift, a gift that will meet your need. One New Testament writer put it this way. He wrote, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, our need is obvious. We've all sinned. We've all failed to live according to God's design for our lives. And the consequences of our sin, the wages that our sin pays us, is death. We needed someone to pay those wages on our behalf. And the only one who can do such a thing is God himself. The only one with the moral wealth to pay such a debt is God himself. And that's exactly what God did. He saw our need. He paid our debt. He saved us from our sin. And now he offers us eternal life as a gift. The Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. God saw your need. God pondered what he was willing to pay in order to meet your need. And God decided to pay the price. God decided to sacrifice the life of his own son as a gift for you. And that brings us to today's Christmas trigger. So I'm proposing that every time you see our wrapped gift this Christmas, let it trigger this thought in your mind. I am on God's friendship list. I am on God's friendship list. God doesn't see you as just one of several billion people that have ever lived. You are not lost in a crowd of creatures. God knows you. God knows everything about you. The psalmist came to this realization centuries ago, and it so stirred him that he wrote Psalm 139. He wrote, I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. You shaped me, first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. God knows you. God knows what's going on inside of you right now. God knows your need. And God loves you with the purest love imaginable. In fact, God calls you his friend. 
speaking to his followers, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. It's my hope and prayer that whenever you see a gift this Christmas, better yet, every time you see a gift for the rest of your life, it will trigger this truth in your heart and mind. I am on God's friendship list. Let's pray together right now. God, we thank you that you know us and you love us. We thank you that you saw our need, that you see our need moment by moment, and you were willing and continue to be willing to pay the ultimate price. You demonstrate your love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you offer us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life and your indwelling presence, spirit to spirit within us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. If you're watching today and you've not yet accepted this gift, I want you to understand what this moment right now is all about. Right now as you're watching me, God is extending his arms to you. He's extending a gift towards you right now. He's saying, I have purchased this gift for you. It meets your need, your deepest, greatest need. I've paid for it and I'm offering it to you free. You have a choice to make right now. You can reach out and accept this gift or you can say, thanks, but no thanks. If you want to accept this gift, pray this prayer with me right now. God, I acknowledge my need. I acknowledge my rebellion, my sin. I have a moral debt I could never pay. I accept your gift that you have paid it on my behalf. So come and live within me. Change me and transform me from the inside out. And give me the courage to act on this decision right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. What I suggest you do is text the number on the screen right now. One of our pastoral staff will text you back. We're not going to phone you. We're not going to spam you. We'll just text back, congratulate you on your decision, and offer our services to you in any way that we can. Or, as well, text someone or call someone that you know who's a follower of Jesus. They can help you take the next step as well. Thank you for joining us at Broadway Church today. I hope to see you again next week at Broadway Church.